Welcome to Grace New Hope and the teaching ministry of Pastor Randy Rainwater. Today, Randy is teaching about submitting to God and resisting the devil. Please turn your Bibles to Luke as we continue our series, Been With Jesus. Let's listen now. So, so if you all open your Bibles up to the gospel according to the physician, chapter 4, if we can get the house lights up a little bit. Um, so, we, last Sunday was our biggest non-COVID, biggest Sunday before COVID in terms of attendance. Every room was full. Um, we, I think we had 350 kids and teenagers here last Sunday, plus all the adults. And, um, and we literally, second service, we put every chair that we own out somewhere in a room. We had our biggest women's event that we've had um, just, just over a week ago. We we had um, the biggest marriage conference we've ever had yesterday, which some of y'all were at that. That was amazing. And I woke up at about five this morning, and it's lightning, and it's raining, and it's time change. And I go, maybe I shouldn't be preaching on the devil on this day. You know, this is probably what it is. But, but, uh, but to all you guys that are online, um, good morning. We're still, we, we want to, all of us that braved Rainfest 23. Uh, or, or how about, we could call it this, how about eliminate the pollen fest? How about that? Yeah, amen to that. So anyway, we're glad y'all are here. Um, but uh, we, we had family meeting and we talked about ministry and, and budget and all that, but we prayed for people at the end. And um, one of those prayer requests was Lanier Booth. Lanier, come on up here. Um, and uh, so Lanier, Lanier's had, man, he's had some rough stuff. You got run over by a truck and had to get a knee replaced, and he's had all kinds of surgeries. He's going to need that microphone right there, Chris. You can hold that. Why don't you help him with it and then help him down when he's done? So, Because um, they've been cutting on you everywhere, but when they went to do the knee replacement, they found tumors. Right. And uh, you got to hold it up there. They found tumors. All right, they found tumors. <laughs> but, but you need to get your knee fixed first. Right. Okay. So you went in this week and, and they were going to check that out because they were going to do some biopsies and you didn't want biopsies, right. but they weren't able to do the biopsies, were they? No. Why were they not going to be able to do the biopsies? I don't know why. You, you're the why, one. Why weren't they able? I don't know because you, you were the one that called me and told me Thursday why they couldn't do the biopsies. They weren't there. Because the tumors weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to tell them the whole story? You can tell me anything you want. <laughs> You, okay, he went to uh, high school with Buddy. So uh, on December 7th of 21, I got struck by a car, and it broke my back, my neck, and six ribs, and messed up both my shoulders. And uh, I was in a back brace for about five months. They, as a result of all the MRIs they put me through, they found two tumors. One was about a centimeter, and the other was a centimeter and a half, which is about the size of a grape and a walnut. And my family doctor uh, told me, he said, well, what we're going to do? Well, the doctor that put me in the back brace, first of all, he said, you need to address this immediately. He said, we're not sure what it is, but we're pretty sure that, that you have two tumors. And uh, so as a result, I went to my doctor and he told me I, I wouldn't have a knee replacement first because I'd been in a lot of pain for about three years. The first time they uh, set me up for the knee replacement, COVID hit, so I couldn't have it done because of COVID. 
The second one, I got struck by the car. And so I made up my mind I wanted the knee replaced. And as the doctor told me, he said, what we're going to do is we're going to wait six months, and if it hadn't come back or if it was still there or, or larger, that we'd have to biopsy it. And he said, um, after six months, if it's not any bigger, we'll just leave it alone. So I went and had my knee replaced, and here last Tuesday, I had um, the MRIs again to, to see what half my back had healed because I'm having a lot of back trouble. But I went to the, another orthopedic surgeon Thursday, and he told me, he said that my, my back had healed, but, um, you know, I was going to still have to have therapy. So I asked him, I said, well, how about the tumors? I said, um, you know, what are you going to do about the tumors? He said, what tumors? <laughs> and he, uh, he, he told me, he said, um, I still have to have therapy, and I still have to have stuff done to my back, but it's a miracle because they were sure. I had three different doctors tell me that I had tumors, I had masses, and that they were going to have to do something about it. And, and every, I had my family doctor, I had the original back doctor, then my orthopedic surgeon. But anyway, so I'm not going to have any tumors. Amen. Amen. You know, you know what else? Lanier, Lanier came up to me this morning because we, I was he called me Thursday. More tears on the phone on Thursday. Oh, I broke down crying. Yeah, this is a sweet, sweet phone call. I like this guy. And, uh, and we, were, we were talking Thursday, and I said, you know, I want you to share this at church. And he's like, okay. So he came in this morning, and he was all nervous about it and stuff. You don't look very nervous right now. Still nervous. You don't, you're not, you're doing fine. Yeah. All right. It's pretty hard. Okay. You know, come, come here. I've got a, I just want to tell everybody here, thank you for all you guys for praying for me. I have a bunch of people at this church that have prayed for me for months. I can't even name them all. I mean, just tons of them. But I really appreciate all the prayers and God's great. Well, it's not the first time God's answered prayers for you. No, not yeah. at all. God's yeah. answered a lot of my prayers and helped me uh, yeah. through several, several different things. But I, uh, like I said, I, just really, I love this church, and I love all you guys, and just thank you for all the help that you've given me. Amen. All right. Okay. I better get to this. All right. <laughs> He's going to take you. All right. Thanks, Lanier. If you guys got your Bibles open, Luke chapter 4, if you guys would stand with me, I want to read just two verses. Wanna wanna talk to you today about when the devil's been talking, there's a there's a need to breathe song. If you know this one, it's called The Devil's Been Talking. And underneath it, it you gotta put your headphones on. Underneath it, you can hear it. It says, We can't change. There's this little voice all along going, it goes, We can't change who we are, we are all alone. That's his message to us. That's the message that he brings to Jesus in the wilderness. Luke chapter four. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, remember what happened? He went, John baptized him, Holy Spirit descends. The Father says, this is my son in whom I like a little bit. Is that what he says? No, what's he say? In whom I am well pleased. It goes back in Luke, the genealogy of Jesus he, he does this masterful job of, I'm gonna let you sit down in a second. We're not done reading yet, all right? It, it, he does this masterful job of, of going and taking this all the way back in Luke, back to Adam, because Luke is written to a Gentile audience, and Gentiles' beginning is, is at Adam. That's the relationship. In Matthew, it's different. But in, in both of those books, it goes back and it traces that genealogy in such a way to leave out the curses on David to bring out the promises in David's line. Because that's the line Jesus is from. 
There were some that were cursed, some that were promised. And here he says, led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil today, the the sermon has been with Jesus. We've been talking about Simeon and Anna. We spent some time doing testimonies of people that have been with Jesus last week. John the Baptist, been with Jesus today. The devil, the devil has been talking. Maybe he's been talking to you. Being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those 40 days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. Amen to that. May God bless the reading of his word. You can be seated. On the heels of this triumph comes this challenge. And when you read this sermon, there's all kinds of things that you can come out of this sermon with. You you can come out of the sermon with, when we're tempted, we use the word of God, and that's certainly there. You You can have this that sometimes when we've been in our highest places and sometimes in our lowest places, the, the enemy comes and he brings stuff into our life. That's there. But there's a deeper thing that's going on here that I think ultimately impacts each and every one of us. I think it's the devil's mode of operation. It, it's, it's his primary thing. We're going to see that today because what he ultimately does is he comes and he attacks the identity of Jesus. There will be temptations. There will be individual temptations. There will be sin temptations, and had Jesus sinned, it would have messed up the entire plan that that had been promised from the very beginning. From Genesis 3.15, that the the proto-evangelium, that Jesus would come, and though he would bite his heel, Jesus would crush the head of the serpent. All that would be devastated if Jesus sinned. But what is going on much, much deeper here is the personal attack that the enemy's putting on to Jesus. Watch this. Luke 4, 1, full of the Holy Spirit, underline this, was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. We're gonna come back to that. For 40 days. Underline this word, hungry. He's led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days. It's a symbol. How long would God's people have been in the wilderness had they been obedient? About 40 days. But instead, that 40 days turns into 40 years. How often in our life Do we wind up in a place we don't want to be out of our disobedience? God may be taking you through a test. A test is not to fail you. A test is to show how you've grown. A test is a challenge that shows what you've accomplished. Uh, But God does not tempt us, but the enemy will bring those times of testing and will tempt us in the middle of those things. But when we live in disobedience, we wind up being in a place much longer, much harder than we need to be. And that's what happens to God's people. But Jesus is obedient. He ate nothing. He was, he was hungry. God's people blamed everything. The, the food, the climate. But when it was all done, ultimately what they blamed was God. The, there was enmity between God's people, the, the one that, that he had redeemed, that he had pulled out of the wilderness there was, and there was enmity there between that, what the love that God had for his people and him. If only we could go back to Egypt. We were loved there. How quickly we forget when we're slaves. We were cared for there. 
And it says being tempted by the devil. Now, I know that there are people in the sound of my voice here, whether here or online, or will listen to this later, a lot of people listen later, that don't believe in the devil. I promise you I could take you places you would. He works different here. Why wouldn't he? He's got entertainment. He can use politics, entertainment, all kinds of things to pull us away, to tear us down. We, we have, you know, social media isn't necessarily left or right. It's just down. How many teenagers take their own lives now because of what gets said on social media? His, the, the, devil's, the devil's point here is always to tear down the identity that we have. N.T. Wright says that uh, he's a famous Bible commentator, knows much more about the Bible than I do. He says that what's going on here in this temptation isn't a literal manifestation of Jesus. It's in his mind. I, I don't see that in the text. I, I, I'm going to always be as literal with the text as I think the text is trying to be. It looks to me like this is a manifestation, a physical manifestation of the devil. I, I've experienced this. I know people that have experienced this. You go into other countries like Cambodia, it's a very common thing. Why would the devil work different here? It's very simple. If you guys went home today and opened up your closet door and there was a demon in there going, ah. All of you would be in the word tomorrow morning, right? Like, like you would call me and say, can we please have Sunday night church? Can we go till like midnight? You know, can we meet every night of the week? No, no, we got to binge watch. We got to, we got to do this. We got to do that. We, we got to catch up with our flower garden. We got to do these other things. And I'm not saying those are bad things, but, but in, in other places in the world, you see these manifestations. Why would he work that way? Look, look at this. We're going to put this verse on the screen, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing, watch this, because this is his point. His point is not to get you to worship him. That's not the devil's goal. The devil's goal is to keep you from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So in Cambodia, there is a physical manifestation of something demonic, and you go to the Buddhist priest, and the Buddhist priest pulls your sleeve up, and he slaps you on the arm, and he gets some smoke, and he does some sort of incantation, and the demon goes away, but of course it would. Because when that person goes away, who is their faith in now? It's in that Buddhist priest. In India, they go to a Hindu priest, and they call on some God, some, some Hindu God bigger than the demon, and this physical manifestation goes away. Of course it would. That's how he's going to work. He's not going to do that here. Because if the Christian God drives the demon away, it brings glory to the one true God. This is how he works in different places in the world. I've seen this. I've experienced this. I've talked to lots, dozens of people who have experienced this. It's not how it's going to work here. Don't be afraid when you open your closet. Not going to happen. It's not how it works here. It says that Jesus was hungry. 
He was in a place of vulnerability, but vulnerability is a reason to step up, not give up. Other people are watching. The church is watching. Your children are watching. I remember we were at Disney World once. You pay a lot of money to go to Disney and get real hot and sweaty and eat food that you shouldn't eat and you leave feeling great, don't you? <laughs> we were walking out and we, we were getting ready to go across. The, it's the parade route and 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 we Elizabeth was two. I'm not sure why we ever took a two-year-old to Disney. She does not remember it. We do. Um, we're crossing the road because they're getting ready to do the parade. And this young man, this like 19-year-old young man walks over and he goes, you need to go back there. And I said, sir, my daughter's sick. We just need to get across the road. And, and, and he goes, your daughter's sick? Let me call emergency services. I said, we just need to get in the car, please. I said, it's as far to go back as it is. Can we just please cross the road? Other people are crossing the road. I don't know why he picked me. I said, sir, we're just gonna go across. And he walks over and he puts his hand in my chest and pushes back. And Anita reaches down and puts her hand on my fist. I was much younger, okay? And she goes, your son's watching you. Could have ruined my life. One moment. We come to a place of vulnerability. It's not a time to give up. It's a time to step up. We have a, a God who knows what it's like to go through these things. Hebrews 2.18, he himself has suffered when tempted he is able to help those being tempted. Hebrews 4, 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one in every respect has been tempted as we are. I love this, yet without sin. Jesus knows what it's like to go through the things that we're going through, but it brings us to this question, what is it that is that hunger? You remember years ago, there was this kind of avant-garde commercial. It was young people dressed in very European looking clothing and they're standing with their arms kind of like this and their heads like this and they look like they're uncomfortable and they're like, there is a rumbling inside of me, there's an emptiness inside of me and then this old boy walks up and goes, let's go to Wendy's and get a burger. Remember that commercial? What, what is it you're hungry for? Well, Jesus has this physical hunger, that's not where the enemy goes at him for. Look what he says. Verse three, the devil said to him, underline this, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become a burger. And Jesus answered him. Underline that word answered. We're gonna talk about what it means. Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone. Listen, this is not a point, this is not a question to point to truth. There's nothing wrong in our lives with questions that point to truth. When we did our budget meeting, one of the things we said was, I affirm it, but I got a question. Questions that point us towards Christ, questions that point us towards transparency, questions that point us towards truth, questions that point us towards kingdom, those are never wrong. If you got people in your life who are asking those kind of questions, that's not a bad thing, that's a blessing. Amen, church? It, not, it isn't always fun, but those are not bad things. But there's a difference between questions and accusations. 
The devil's not coming trying to point him closer to the Father. He's coming trying to take him away from the Father and to question his identity in the Father. When you have an accuser in your life, they're gonna be someone who's trying to tear down who you are in Christ. You have to step away from those. You have to leave those things behind. Listen to the questions. Step into the questions in your life absolutely 100%. Those are good things. They may not be pleasant, Discipline, it it talks about this in Hebrews 12, discipline is never fun. Look, training is not fun. But when you're climbing a mountain, you sure are glad you've been in the weight room. Training is not fun. But when a crisis comes and you're prepared for it, you're thankful for it. But there's a difference between the training, the questions, and the accusers. And when you got people in your life that are accusers, you just, you, you gotta put that away. You gotta, that's not of the Lord. How do you know the difference between a question and accuser? I would, this is what I've learned to do. I stop and I look at the life of the person who's asking me. And if I see this is someone whose life reflects the glory of God and whose life is kingdom building, then I'm gonna listen to that question. And if I don't, it's wrong. If I look and I say, no, this is a life that's not kingdom building, then I've got to see that as an accusation. And I just got to, I li- you listen to it. Lord, is there truth to this? And then you got to put that away. My wife is better at this than I am. Way better. I may get told at the end of first service, I can't say this second service because she's here, but she takes those things when people do that. She puts alarms on her phone She prays for those people, but she leaves that to the Lord. You gotta leave that stuff to God. It's not from him. The accusations are not from him. Watch watch what Jesus does here. It says Jesus answered him in verse four. The word, there's a different word. It's really more respond. There's a different word for answer. There's a different way that that the word is used in the Greek. This is really a response to this This word, aperkaneme, it really means to conclude for yourself and to respond. This is what Jesus does. Jesus hears this, he thinks about it, and he responds. And what does he say? Man does not live by bread alone. He's quoting from Deuteronomy 8.3. It says, and he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you known that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is saying that the deep hunger inside him is not a physical hunger, it's a hunger for the Father. So the very, listen, what Jesus does, the very attack that the devil does, because the attack isn't, are you hungry? Of course he's hungry. He hadn't eaten for 40 days. What's the attack? If you what? are the son of God. That's the attack. And what Jesus says is, I know the words of my dad. I know my daddy's voice. You know that story of the firemen are outside this house? I don't know if it's true or not, but if it's not, it should be. And, and, and there's, there's a boy and the firemen are yelling and the dad walks up and says, son, jump through the, jump through the smoke. I'm there. And the son jumps. You know your father's voice. That's what Jesus is saying here. You do have to understand your needs. Just like 
the whole thing of being in the wilderness longer than you should be. When you try to satisfy your needs, legitimate needs, with illegitimate things, you're not going to be filled. Relationship is not going to be filled with pornography. Anxiety is not going to be healed by drugs, alcohol. It's only going to intensify that situation. You've got to stop and ask yourself this question. What is this need? What is this need? Because I have a father that wants to get to the deep answers. And then the devil asked him what his price is. Verse 5. He took him and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Underline that phrase in your Bible. All the kingdoms of the world. Because watch this. In a moment of time. It would be like you ever go like up on top of like Stone Mountain or something, and they have those things and you put the quarter in and you can see everywhere. It's kind of that sense right here. In a moment of time, he, he, sees, he sees everything. I, I've, got a, I've got a picture here. This is Temptation Hill. Uh, that, uh, I, I, and that's Temptation Hill. That's where they believe this, this happened. And just for context, this is a monastery. Let me show you this. Do I have that close-up picture of the monastery? So just for context, that's a... That's a huge monastery that's there. This, this, is a, this is much, much bigger than Stone Mountain. You can't really see it in that first picture, but you kind of get the sense of it here. And he takes them here to this highest point. Here's what's really interesting about this. Because he says, he says, I'll give you authority and glory for it's been delivered to me and I'll give it to whom I will. You, I, I don't know if the devil had the right to offer that or not. That He's always a liar. Okay, so... We could theologically argue, did he have the right? Did Adam and Eve give him the We could talk about that for a long time. Here's the deal. He's making the offer. The offer isn't really for the kingdoms of the world. Here's what's interesting about this. I, can you put that picture back up? Let me show you this. You know where I took this picture? Jericho. I was standing at Jericho when I took this picture. Go back to the bigger picture. It, this that's, that's, I'm at Jericho right there. Anita and I got to teach there. This is what he's saying. Your people went through this conquest, this battle. And they did that as they worshiped God. If you'll just worship me, Jesus, you don't have to fight the battle. I, 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 you know this battle that's coming up? You can bypass this battle. This is this looming picture of the cross. Here's the redirect that Jesus does. He redirects like a lawyer, 6.13, Deuteronomy 6.13. It's the Lord your God, you shall fear him. You shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. Jesus takes this, again, this, this whole thing of you don't have to fight the battle that, that the Father has. See, the Father's got a battle for you, and all you gotta do is worship me, and you don't have to fight the battle. Jesus didn't wanna go to the cross. That's what the garden was about. Did he, did he want to in terms of the deeper picture? And Jesus, Jesus hurt. Jesus knew what pain was. But the love of the Father was bigger than the pain. The call that the Father had on him was bigger than the pain. And since those things doesn't work, he's go, he goes directly to the question, here we are, verse nine, who are you? And he took him to Jerusalem and he set him on the pinnacle of the temple. This is the center of the religious world. And he said, here he is. Let's go right back to the big question. 
If you are the son of God, if daddy loves you, if daddy loves you, then Psalm 91 here, he quotes, listen, the devil knows the word. He doesn't know what it means, he just knows it. Throw yourself off. For he will command his angels to come. They, they won't even let you strike your heel. They, you, you, will be, you, will, you will not even be able to strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, you shall, look at what he says, because underline this. You shall not put, Jesus, Jesus like, if we're going to play this game of identity, let me just bring it back to you. You shall not put the Lord your God, you're not the God, Satan, the Lord your God to the test. Here's the question, do you matter? This is the lie. This is the lie we hear at night. This is the lie we hear when we're in the office of your boss. This is the lie you hear with your argument with your spouse. And you just ramp it up and you're like, well, if we're gonna argue, let's, let's go ahead and open up 20 years ago. Because you don't matter. If I don't matter, you don't matter either. This is the lie you hear when you're alone. Do you matter? Does God care? If he cares, he'll, he wouldn't let you be in this place of pain. If he loved you, if, if you are the son of God, it, 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 he's asking Jesus to go against the natural instinct of, of our deep desire to be loved, which is not a bad instinct. This is how, though, my brother trains horses. There's an amazing picture here. You, you take these horses, and they're crosses between draft horses like Budweiser, Clydesdales, and thoroughbred racehorses. They're, they're huge. They're 1,400, 1,500 pounds. A horse's natural instinct, is it to fight or flight? It's a flight animal. I mean, I know in the movies that, you know, they, the stallion rears up and all that. No, no, that's what donkeys do, Okay. If you want your sheep to be safe or your bed, there were 50 sheep going down the road in Grayson. Didn't you guys see that today? Yeah, there were 50 sheep walking down Grayson New Hope Road. We had storm, time change, and sheep. And, and this, is, this is the natural inclination of a horse is to run away. But you can take those horses and you can hit them with beginning with pool noodles, one firecracker, eventually you can shoot a gun next to them. You can shoot firecrackers in a can underneath them. You can, you can hit them, not to hurt them, but you can hit them with the board. You can do flashbangs around them, and they will be okay. Do you know why? Because they have learned, listen to me, church, this is the thing for us. The safest place for them to be is in the presence of their trainer. And they've got to learn that their natural inclination is to run away. And if a 1,500-pound horse starts running through a crowd, people are going to die. Nothing's stopping it. There's nothing there except a bullet that can stop that horse. So they learn that the safest place is that person that's on their back, or they get off and they look at them and they talk to them, or they pat them on the neck, and that big animal, which wants to run away, it knows that the safest place for it is in the presence of its trainer. And that's the same lesson we got to learn too, isn't it? Yeah. 
The natural inclination is to flight. Doesn't matter how tough you are. And we have to learn the safest place we can ever be is in the presence of Jesus. So he says, you don't put your Lord to the God you're te- to the test. Last thing, verse 13. The devil had ended with every temptation. He departed from him until an opportune time. Matthew and Mark say that the angels came. I can just see Gabriel and Michael walking past him going, yo, home, smell you later. He's going to come back. Hey, he's hungry, but we got something for him. What do you think they brought Jesus? Maybe Chick-fil-A? I don't know. What do you think they brought Jesus? Angel food? But they brought him something that he needed. They cared for him. When we allow the Lord to provide our needs, to care for us in the way that he desires. Sometimes you gotta wait for that. And we jump in the middle of that and, and we, we step into that and we, we mess that whole process up. And there's another whole thing to clean up. Here, here's just some applications that I, that I think are here. Here's the first one. There are gonna be voices in your life There are going to be some voices, and those voices cause us to question whose we are. Remember whose you are. If it's a voice that's pushing you towards integrity, listen to that voice. Always listen to those voices. If it's a voice that's questioning whose you are, you got to put that out of your mind. You just got to put that away. Here's the second thing. If you're in the wilderness, make sure it's the Holy Spirit and not your sin that's taking you there. Here's the third thing. The devil might come to you, just don't go to him. You know how we pray this prayer in the Lord's Prayer? Lead us not into temptation. That isn't saying that the Lord's natural inclination is to take you into temptation. That's not what it's saying at all. Lead us not into temptation. In the Greek, that's how you say something stronger. So this is what he's saying. Lord, would you please not take me anywhere that I'm going to get tempted? That's saying, I would like to not be tempted. Think about that. Apply that personally. I'd like to not be tempted. But if it does, deliver me from evil. That's, that's, that's the prayer. And here's, here's the next to last thing. Know the word of God. But listen, the word of God is not a magic phrase. Repeating scripture when the enemy's tempting you isn't some magic incantation to drive away the devil. The Bible doesn't say, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. It says that, that's not the whole thing. You know what it says? It says, bring it, come on Don. Submit yourself to God. Worship team, come on up here. Resist the devil. The submit yourself to God first. Do you remember what that word submit means in in the Greek? Submit doesn't mean, hey, tap out, give up. No, it means I can trust you. God, I can trust you. God, I can give you my hurt. God, I can give you my need. God, I can give you my fear. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. I got a God who loves me because I got it. This is what Jesus does. I got a God who loves me. 
I got a father who knows me. Because of that, I can resist the devil. This isn't, this isn't out of toughness. This is out of love. This is, I got somebody who loves me in the midst of something. I don't, under, I don't understand this right now, but I understand you. How many of us, church, have been in that very place? We don't know. We don't know. what we, I can't. Look, I have prayed for people like Lanier, and I've seen God do miracles, and I'm thankful for that. And I've prayed for people like Lanier, and I've been at their graveside six weeks later. I, I got Lanier right here. I got Trey right here. I prayed for his little brother time after time. And nothing personal in here, but it's like, if he's going to save somebody, save a kid. I don't understand that. I look across this room. I see hurts. I see praises. I see hurts. I don't understand all of it, but I understand him. That's, that's, that's submit to God. Lord, I love you. I can trust you, God. That's how we resist. This, uh, this week, I went to a funeral on Wednesday. I flew up there. You use a lot of points to get a plane in one day, but it was worth it. Flew up to Indiana. It was the church that I was at before I was here. Let me be real candid. I came here. God called me here. I know that, but I also left there, if I'm honest. There was some woundedness when I left. And um, 10 years ago, the pastor's wife who died, just this godly woman, this amazing woman, she called me 10 years ago. And I had, and I had given things to the Lord and wounds to the Lord and, and was praying blessings on them and everything. But 10 years ago, she called me and said, Randy, I've just see what God's doing. I just want to tell you how much we love you. And just was this healing thing. And, and we started talking. And, and, and I started talking with the pastor that was there before who I had so much respect for and was thankful for, but felt pretty wounded in the process. And I thought deep down inside, he probably really had a lot of disdain for me. I was in this, we were in this Mexican restaurant 10 o'clock the other night with my old D group from up there, guys that, that were my, that got my discipleship group from 25 years ago. We're in this, we're in this Mexican restaurant. It was the only thing that was open and we're eating nachos and they did not have Coke Zero. I was very disappointed by that, but um, we're in there and one of the guys, I was just said, you know, this was really healing for me. I, I left here with some wounds and one of the guys Brent said, Randy, I didn't know any of that. You didn't say any of that. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it would have been wrong to tear the church down. I'm not going to say anything. And God had a call, and I know that God called me. He goes, I didn't know any of that. He goes, I'm going to tell you somebody else who never let on that there was anything. And he goes, that's Senior Pastor Charles. He goes, because he goes, for the last 25 years, I've gone up to him and said, do you see what Randy's doing? Do you hear what Randy's doing? Do you hear about his church? Do you hear about his youth group? They did a youth revival. They went to camp. All these kids. He goes, I've been telling him. He goes, I've told him this at least a dozen times over the last 25 years. You know what he says every time? He goes, well, of course, that's my boy. I carried all this junk. 
that wasn't even there. You know how often we do that, church? So this morning, we're reminded his body, his blood, this promise of, of the redemption that he brings, the relationship. If you wonder if you are a child of God, this is what he says, remember this. Remember this, my body, my, my life lived for you. Remember my blood poured out for you that still holds promise today. And if you got something and you need to leave it this morning, we got places to pray. Next week, we're actually going to have kneelers. They're out there in the lobby. They're going to get finished off this week. We're going to have kneelers. For now, we got these pads. And if you want somebody, if you want somebody to pray with you, you can come up here and kneel. Just slip your hand up while you're praying. Somebody will come up and pray with you. You can come over to the cross. But church, listen, don't take accusation home with you today. Leave it here. Leave it here this morning. Go home with the questions. Go home with integrity. Lean into that absolutely 100%. But the accusations, you leave those things behind. Those are not from God. Those are not from God. Jesus, thank you for showing us whose we are. Thank you for showing us that we belong to you. By showing us because you belong to the Father and you have said that we are in relationship because of you. And there's nothing he can do to take that away. There's nothing he can do to change that. He can torment us. He can bring us fears in the night. He can bring us all these things. And we need to answer those with the word we do. But even more so, we have to remember whose we are. We have to remember whose we are. In Jesus' name we